podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome along to your Sunday night edition of the TII podcast. Apologies for the false start there with the with the first version. You'll notice there's three of us instead of four and that's because Scott Patterson's Wi-Fi definitely didn't want him to podcast tonight. They must be, they must be waiting until he's got a less positive thing to talk about. Tonight I'm joined by two of our very, I guess, very happy contributors after this weekend. First up we have Scott Cameron. How are you doing, Scott? I'm delighted, Craig. Um, as I as I said on my social media, the fourth uh, post Old Firm podcast that I've done, and finally a happy, um, a happy and positive one. So I really looking forward to this, mate. I thought we were going to say you're delighted because Scott Patterson wasn't on anymore, but uh, we'll leave that one there. We're also joined by Ben. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing good. Yeah, feeling much more positive than I was a few weeks ago. Absolutely. And Ben, tell, tell everyone your little story about when you actually watched the game and found out the result. I am still on a bit of a high, as I have said to you before we started uh, the pod. I, I uh, It was my daughter's birthday yesterday, so I was out all day. So I turned the phone off and didn't watch, didn't find out the score or anything. I watched it today. Um, so, so it's quite fresh to me. Yeah. So it's quite disciplined. Yeah, I have no idea how you can how you can hold off for 24 hours and finding out an old firm game result of... I'd struggle to, to not know for five minutes. So fair play to you. I, I definitely can do it. Um, obviously, Rangers won 3-0 yesterday at Ibrox. We can now say that because Ben has actually watched the game. So Rangers won 3-0 and it was a much more positive old firm game than we've had so far this season. Albeit, it was it was the first win that we have had this season out of six, which was, um, which is obviously not good enough. We'll come on to talk about that. We'll come on to talk about some of the the players that made their mark yesterday and what that potentially means for their future. We'll talk about away fans or no away fans. We'll and we'll we'll start looking more ahead to the the summer rebuild and summer refresh that that Michael Beale has um, been speaking about more in depth after yesterday's game so plenty to talk about if you've got any thoughts if you've got any comments on on our opinions fire them into the comments section and we'll, we'll make sure to bring up as many relevant ones as we can first of all though scott i'll start with yourself just your we're 24 just over 24 hours after the full-time whistle was blown what are your what are your reflections on the game i'm just really really happy that we've had uh, we've got something positive to take into the summer basically you know i mean I, I think i'd spoke to yourself yesterday and i think the the pressure that would have been put on to michael beale and ahead of what's going to come in the summer would have only intensified you know i mean i know it was a game that there was there was no trophies up for grabs and the league title was already done but just getting that everything's been positive on social media you know i mean it's 24 hours of Rangers Twitter, for example, and it's it's been positive. Uh, that doesn't happen very often, so uh, long may that continue. So, aye, great. It was a, it was a good day out. The sun was shining, and and Rangers scored a, scored the first goal in an old Firm game for the first time in a in a very long time. So, aye, uh, very happy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that first goal in the old Firm game is something that we've spoken about. I know myself and. Um, 
yourself, Scott, have spoken about that quite in depth in, in previews to previous Old Firm games and how important it is to to make our mark early, early on in these games and think more often than not, Ben, in previous ones, we've seen Celtic take the initiative in, in Old Firm games and get that early goal and we know how difficult it is then for us to start to, to try and turn it around. How important do you think that early goal was in, in setting the tone and I guess the performance in that first 10-15 minutes where we it's, it's kind of probably a level of performance I've not really seen from this team so far this season Yeah I think it was absolutely crucial I think we went out there we set the tone um, in previous games we, we've let them come and we've let them play our game whether it's at Hampton whether it's at their place or, or at Ibrox um, you know, even even in the January game um, at Ibrox, we you know we let them come, we let them dictate it, and we watched them play a game of football. Whereas, you know, yesterday I almost said today there for myself, but yesterday uh, we really, um, you know, we went after them. We showed them that they're in a game, um, and we showed them that Rangers are here to turn up. You know, this, this wasn't them coming to dance around and celebrate them winning the league. This this was us coming to show them that they're going to be in a fight from now into next season. Yes, yeah, Scott, I think um, Ben makes a good point there in terms of the, the attitude that we showed and pressing Celtic a lot higher. I think for me, it was more more the style of play against Celtic that I had expected since Michael Beale came in. I don't think we had seen that necessarily in the the previous four old firm games that, that, that Michael Beale's been in charge of since he returned. Probably the, the January one was the, the closest that we got to it if we're if, if we're thinking about over the course of those four games, how pleased were you to see that? And do you think that's a blueprint we'll see moving forward? Well, I think uh, I think tactically, Michael Beale. I mean, I've 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 been critical of all certain elements of what he's done since he came in, but I think yesterday he got it spot on. To be honest with you, the middle three, I wasn't I, I wasn't a massive on it, but he's he got it spot on. You know, I thought they all done they all done their job uh, superbly well, and it allowed Todd Cantwell ahead of them. I mean, I, I think Todd Cantwell ahead of them was was just superb, and that's I I I'd said last week I would I wanted them 10, 15 yards further forward, and that's what we got more often than uh, more often than not. But I think tactically the personnel may be different, but I think what he's what he's found is that is the way to to get at to get at um, their backline, to be honest with you, you know, and I think um, it might, as I say, might not be Jack, it might not be Lundstrom, it might be two different midfield players, and it will certainly be two different forward players um, in place of Matondo and Sakala. But the the sort of blueprint, particularly uh, in the, I think even in the the away games against them, I think you've. That that's how to play against them. We almost start flat three in the middle of the park, you know. So um, I, well done to Michael Beale, and I think it, it in that press that set the tempo for what happened early in the game. It got the crowd. I mean, for what was essentially a dead rubber old firm match, the crowd was with the, the team. But the more the team had that tempo and energy from the start of the game, and that gets everybody on board and then you get the early goal and it just it, it just steamrollers for there. So I to get back to your point, it was spot on tactically and uh, I think it's positive for the, the games moving forward. 
Yeah, Ben, I think it's it's always good to get a win against our, our biggest rivals and it's it's even better when it's as comprehensive as it was yesterday. I think the um when I think back to how I was feeling in the build up to the game, I wasn't that first heading into yesterday if I was if I was completely honest. I think the um I think the game itself I knew it didn't mean anything um in in the grand scheme of trophies and league titles and, and cups and that side of things. I wanted to see a performance. I wanted to see us put down a bit of a marker. There's a I think there's a psychological side of things when it comes to if you lose or don't win an old firm game for a full season. So I think that was that was really beneficial. I wanted to bring in this comment because we are wholly positive, I think, on this as as a as a trio. Um and I think we will be largely positive as we talk through this podcast, but uh, M Ward comes into the comments and he says, why wait to turn up in this game? It's ridiculous. Why can anyone be happy after waiting that long for a better effort? False players looking to, to save their arses. Can you, can you see the other side of that coin? I guess when I was at the game yesterday, I wasn't quite as high as a lot of people were on the back of, of the goals. I, th- I thought the, the, st- the atmosphere in the stadium was, was really good and we'll go on to talk about the whether we think away fans should be should be included going forward or not. But in terms of how some people reacted, I did think it was a bit over the top, given the context of the situation. But uh, do you think I'm being harsh there? Or what do you think of um, Ward's comment? No, I, I think I'm mixed on it. I mean, I'm delighted that we, we beat, I'll be delighted we beat them in anything. But, you know, I'm also still have that disappointment from how the season's been. Um but I am now at this stage where, you know, it's it's like the stages of grief. I'm an acceptance that the, the the title's gone. But I'm I'm looking for encouragement. I'm looking for us to, you know, I'm looking for the team. I'm looking for Michael Beale to show us that there is a path back to success. And by doing what we did yesterday, it's it's by no means says that everything is fixed or that we're going to win the league next season. But it it, it is encouraging, um, you know, to show that some of the players that will be there next season, because some of them were on, on the field, you know, have grown, and we'll get on to talk, talk about certain players, but, you know, ha, have grown into it, have tasted success against them, you know, have have seen what it, what it's like. And some of them hadn't done that. Um, and, and, and the others that had done it, hadn't done it for an awful long time. So, you know, yes, we're, we're all disappointed. And I can see that point of view and, and to a certain extent agree with it. But, I'm trying to look to the future now, and I'm trying to trying to see where we're going, and if the direction we're going in is with some of the performances that we got yesterday, getting that on a more consistent basis, and having better players to be able to deliver that. Um, you know, then the, the signs are looking good. You know, we, we can't change what's been, but we can change what's coming. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, and I I probably would agree with you on most of that. I think that's probably where I'm sitting at this moment in time. Looking forward to the season coming to an end. Looking forward to seeing what I think will be a significant change over the summer, not just in playing personnel. We're also seeing it in the boardroom as well. And I think that brings with it a lot of um, a different approach to things, hopefully both in the transfer market and, and how the club does its, its day-to-day business. It's, it's a club that's been stabilised in recent years and we've got to be thankful for that. It's now how do we continue to push forward how do we continue to to get that growth that, that, that we're looking at and how do we 
get back on top in Scottish football, ultimately, which is what we all want. Scott, Michael Beale spoke after the game yesterday and he spoke, and he, he spoke a lot about the work he's been putting into the, the recruitment side of things. I believe a lot of us, if not all Rangers fans, were viewing the, the last five games of the season post-split as being the, the test for some players who hadn't hadn't had a great deal of game time or hadn't had a, a fair opportunity to show their value or their worth in the team. Um, there's plenty of players in there. I'm going to start taking them sort of one by one mm-hmm. and, and talking about where, how we thought they played yesterday, but also where we where we see them in future, if we do see them as part of the Rangers starting lineup or the Rangers squad at all next season, or if actually we think their, their time at the club is, is coming to an end. I'm going to come to Robbie McCrory, first of all, as the goalkeeper. It's a natural place to start. Uh, fourth clean sheet out of four uh, starts for Rangers. Two of those games against Celtic. He couldn't have, he couldn't have hoped for a better start to, to life as a, as a Rangers, Ranger in terms of his, his first-team games. He'll be disappointed he's not had many first-team games. I, I, I would be surprised if he's... If he's if he's not a bit gutted that he's not played more games, especially this season when we've we've seen our our trials and tribulations in goal. What did you make of Robbie McCrory's performance yesterday? Did it instill you with more confidence? The way he was he was standing at the edge of the box much of the time. He was trying to anticipate the the ball in behind um, the the defence, and I thought that worked really well. And so, how did let's start with his performance yesterday and how you viewed that. I think he's done fantastically well in the two games, given the fact that he'd barely played any football for probably about 18 months prior to that. I think he would have been involved prior to the the split, basically, if he hadn't been injured. I think Michael Beale would have given him his opportunity, wouldn't have given his opportunity earlier. But I mean, he's in his, in his mid mid twenties now, you know, and I think that's two two old firm games that he's he's basically he's came in and he's not showed any nerves. He just he looks quite commanding. He's not scared to come out. Uh, a Rangers goalkeeper coming off uh, the line to collect crosses. Um, I think that he looks. He doesn't look overawed by the players that are in front of him. He doesn't look like a young goalkeeper that's lacking. I mean, I think that's spot on. He doesn't look like a keeper that's lacking confidence and, and unsure of himself. So I think he clearly backs his, his ability to to do to do his job. And I mean, four clean sheets out of four with, with two against them. As you know, there's, I don't think there'll be many Rangers goalkeepers have had two of their first four, four games against Celtic and you've kept clean sheets. So... Good on him, you know, because I, I think Robbie McCrory's at an age where he has to be challenging to be the Rangers number one, or he has to go out somewhere and be a number one. You know, I just I, that's where I, I believe that he that his career's at that sort of. So he, he's grabbed the opportunity so far. Hope he gets the uh, the last three matches, and then it's it's game on in the summer. But aye, uh, well played. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's had any worldy saves. He had a really good save off. I think it was O'Reilly uh, through, and he put, he's put it over the bar um, with, with, a, with a nice save. But you know, he just he just looks confident, you know. And I think that's to to his credit for a guy that's not played a lot, and I think probably should have been out on loan um, to to have got games rather than just sitting 
sitting on the bench or sitting in the stand. But I think he's he's done himself no harm at all the last couple of weeks, Craig. Yeah, I think he's a he's a player that's definitely grabbed this opportunity each time it's arisen. He's probably been a bit unfair in terms of the amount of confidence other other managers are putting. I mean, even Michael Beale, to a certain extent, so far since since he's came in, he's Robbie McCrory's probably been a bit unfortunate that they've not put more faith in him from that perspective and given him more game time. Ben, I think Scott's right in terms of it's probably now or never for Robbie McCrory and, and, and his Rangers career. Michael Beale made an interesting point last night in his, one of his post-match interviews around Robbie McCrory is now the same age Alan McGregor was when Alan McGregor started to cement his first team slot. I think that was good to give Rangers fans context of of how young Robbie McCrory still is. Uh, it also gave, Michael Beale also gave the context of Alan McGregor had been out on a few loans beforehand as well. There's a certain view that that fans have, especially Rangers fans, probably of how the loan system works and maybe it's lack of success for our players, I think it would be fair to say. Um, but that can be completely different for goalkeepers. There's obviously only one goalkeeper that can play at a time in, in, in games for, for a team and, and that comes with its its own issues in terms of trying to to, to blood new goalkeepers or, or up-and-coming goalkeepers that way and the loan system has to be used to our benefit. I wanted to bring in this comment from Glasgow Rangers Nation. It said, McCrory comes for crosses, commands his area, plays sweeper-keeper, reads the game. If he plays more this season, we have more points. Miles better than McGregor. I wanted to, I guess, start to look, look ahead to next season. I believe Robbie McCrory will play the remainder of the games this season, although I would expect Alan McGregor to have a farewell of some kind in the next couple of games. I don't know if that will be a second-half appearance at some point or if he'll, if he'll get a f the full final game. It'll be interesting to see how, how that's done. It'll be interesting to see if sentimentality comes into it at any point. It did last season when it came to the Scottish Cup, but it'll be interesting to see if it, if it does this time around. In terms of Robbie McCrory, do you think he has shown enough to be Rangers number one next season? Do you do you think actually these last five games give him enough of a chance to and to give you confidence that he could be a number one for a season? Or do you expect a more experienced goalkeeper to be coming in over the summer? Um, I, I think he's done his chances no harm at all. I do expect us to be bringing in a more experienced keeper, um, but he has proven that he is... You know, at a, at a level over the over the four games, I would say. You know, I know I know there's quite a gap between the between the games, but um, I think he's proven that he is of a level to be challenging. Um, it's very hard, I think, right now to make that final decision, and I'm glad that I don't have to. I, you know, I would hope that he gets the next three games, or certainly, I you know, I'd maybe bring Al McGregor on the last game for last 15 minutes or last half an hour and um, but other than that i think it's important that we're we're utilizing the time and giving these players the opportunity that that's what i wanted um these last five games to be about is giving opportunities to players that we need to make decisions on and the rest is up to them and, and robbie has 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 grasped that opportunity so far you know i think his his commanding of his, his box as as Glasgow Rangers nation says is was was very impressive to me um you know he's very assertive you know um I thought I thought that the save that uh, Scott was talking about. I I actually I wouldn't say world day, but I would probably say Scott said it was a nice save. I think it was probably a wee bit better than that. I thought it was it was a very good save. Um, 
And, you know, I, I thought coming for crosses and I thought just everything in general, he, he looked very assured, um, you know, so he has done his, ch- his chances no harm. And, you know, it's it's, it's difficult, but it, it doesn't make you think that you're so... There was at one stage when we hadn't seen him, you were thinking, oh, right, do we need to sign three keepers in the summer? Do we need to sign two keepers in the summer? Now you're at the stage where you definitely only need to sign one. Um, I would agree that he's at the stage of the career. Like he, he, To me, he's too good a goalkeeper. Now, whether he's good enough for Rangers is one thing, but he's too good a goalkeeper to be a number two his whole career. I think he deserves to go out and play as a number one for someone. If that's not at Rangers, then, well, that's not at Rangers. But um, right now, he's done very well. He's impressed me quite a lot. Yeah, Scott, I'm going to come to you on on this one as well. Probably, like Ben says, Robbie McCurry's done himself no harm with, with these performances, and I expect his good form to continue to the end of the season, I don't think it's enough to convince me that he should be our number one next season. And given the pressure that's on this rebuild over the summer and the, the transfers that we've got coming up, I'm not sure Michael Beale will put his faith in a, in a young goalkeeper to, to to man the fort over the next season, uh, especially in what would be a Robbie McCrory's first full season at at that level, uh, playing week in, week out for first team. I think he's a very good goalkeeper. I would want him to be part of the setup. I'll be interested to see if John McLaughlin hangs around this summer or goes out to try and play somewhere. But I would have Robbie McCory as as number two next season and bring in a, an experienced goalkeeper. Bringing in any goalkeeper is, is a risk. We've seen, we've seen it go wrong in the past for both us and and other teams, we've seen it go really well in the past as well. It's all down to that that recruitment and that suitability. Where do you see Robbie McCrory's place in, in the team or the squad next season? I think Ben's spot on. I think a matter of, matter of weeks ago, we probably thought, my goodness, we're going to, we're going to need three goalkeepers in the, in the summer. Robbie McCrory is more than capable of being the Rangers' number one, but I think he's... he's his performances in the four games that he's had show that he's going to be a more than able deputy as well. But I think he's the type of guy that will put pressure on. We are undoubtedly going to sign for for, for what is to be believed. Jack Butland, Jack Butland is already done and dusted from what I can what I can gather. So he's going to come in and I think be the number one. But Robbie McCrory will be pushing and pushing and pushing. I think will potentially get get the, maybe the cup games and uh, that sort of situation. But I think um, John McLaughlin will probably move on. There is potential we might have to bring in a like a third choice keeper as well, just in case we don't want to go with one of the young the young boys as your third keeper. Just uh, there's an element of risk if you don't have uh, three keepers, you know. But I think it'll, we will sign a keeper, which I believe to be Butland. And Robbie McCrory will be the the more than able deputy. Yeah, Robert Binney comes into the comments says still sign a keeper and let them battle out for the jersey. I think that's probably fair enough. I don't if Jack Butland is the one to come in and he's strongly linked and strongly rumoured, then I believe he will he will come in believing he is the number one goalkeeper for next season. Doesn't mean that Robbie McCrory can't challenge him and push him every step of the way, and that's what that's what we want from not only our our substitute goalkeeper, but um, 
our, our, our subs or those who are not in the starting lineup throughout the squad. We we need people to constantly be pushing and constantly be challenging. I'm not convinced we've had that uh, this season, maybe even last season as well. Uh, so I think having someone of Robbie McCrory's quality as as the number two, he'll get to play cup games, he'll get to to have that challenge for for the number one spot, and I believe he would he would back himself as well to to try and take that off whoever the incoming goalkeeper is all it takes is one mistake or two mistakes from that goalkeeper and Robbie McCrory's got that number one jersey and it's, it's his to lose so it'll be really interesting on that front just to finish off the the Robbie McCrory chat on this one before we move on to some other players in the squad RFC 72 says he's done all he can every game he's played he's played very well and saved our defence a good few times in those games as well but we need to bring in a, another keeper to challenge for the number one shot I think that seems to be a a bit of a consensus across the board on that one people are people are impressed by McCrory but not quite got the full confidence of him being the number one going forward for the for the foreseeable future if he was to take up that slot next season. But I would expect him to to be our number two unless he doesn't want that role personally and wants to go out and be a team's number one, which he might well do and we, we couldn't blame him if he does. Moving on, Ben will move to, to left back. First of all, Borna Barisic has held that role for for the last four years or so, maybe even five. He's I think his performances have declined over the last year or so. He did well in the, the European run last season, but we've seen him caught out time and time again against Celtic um, or better better opponents, uh, particularly at the back post or, or preventing or not preventing, I should say, crosses coming into the box. Yesterday, we saw a completely different style of left-back. We saw a left-back that is better defensively than Borna Barisic is. And I would say offers pretty much equal or, or is or is on equal footing in terms of going forward and, and the the quality of, of crosses or the quality of positions that he's able to take up. What did you make of Red Van Yilmaz yesterday and is was it did it encourage you going forward? Yeah, encourage is, is exactly what I was gonna say. Um, you know, I thought he was I thought he was solid. Uh, I thought definitely I would I would rather have him defensively than than Borna. There's no there's no doubt about that. I would maybe differ on I I think his crossing is an area that, that could could improve a wee bit. And I think Borna's crossing is 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 an asset to the team. Um, but I do think he gives it a wee bit more balance in terms of you, you feel like you can rely on him defensively a wee bit more and maybe that allows Tav to to go a little bit more on the other side, um, so yeah, I thought I thought really really encouraging. Um, he, he's another one who I wanted to get the opportunity, um, and and thus far, you know, is is building. You know, we have to remember as well that he, he hasn't played a lot of football. So I'm hoping over these five games, he will improve each game. Um, and I, you know, there was a lot of talk. There's been a lot of rumors, as there always is, that you know. He wants to go back to Turkey and things like that. But to me, yesterday he looked like a player that was committed and that wanted to be there. Um, so you know, I, I'm encouraged in terms of that his mentality as well. Um, it, it looked like he, you know, he, he was enjoying it and he, you know, he want he wanted to win with us, which is exactly what we need. Yeah, there's plenty of people giving their opinions on this one in the comments. The trying Scotsman says Red Van can tackle. The son of the moth can cross. Please don't hurt me, Mister Moth. That's a reference to to Borna Barisic's dad. If you're 
if you're not aware and if you're not aware maybe worth a wee google um just to find out all the background story to that name scott rangers on tour says uh borna will go in the summer will robbie fraser be back up to yilmaz yilmaz snuffed out a badder so much uh so the lad in front of me ibrox asked if he was playing i thought the performance that yilmaz had against leo abada a player that has tormented us in some games and in, in the last season or two was really impressive he wasn't scared to go stride for stride with him and 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 uh head as uh, abada was heading towards the byline he pushed him inside and followed him all the way it he, he, he did well in situations we've seen borna barisic really struggle and in some cases crumble in the past and i thought that was really encouraging but he was also really aggressive in the tackle and he won a fair few 50-50s and even some 70-30s that were in that were in Celtic's favour as well. I was really encouraged by that performance yesterday and that on top of what we saw from him against Aberdeen last week, I would I would be happy with Red Van Yoma as being our starting left back going into next season. Where do you where do you land on that? I very much so. I thought he I thought he handled uh, Abada very very well i mean i think he was he was one of the one of the, the the guys that went off you know and i think that was testimony to how well he had played rangers fans love a guy that gets stuck in and wins tackles and he won more than he, mo- he won more than a couple you know and i think going forward i just think going forward he offers a wee bit of variety now i think that borna is del- his delivery is top class but i think at times it's very much cross it cross it cross it and there isn't a lot of you know variation in that and I mean that's not been detrimental to to Bonner. he's been a been a good player for us over the course for a guy that we, we paid two million pound for but uh red van yilmaz is very much the is very much the future and i think uh just just a different style i mean i mean he's only tiny i mean i'm not a big guy but red van yilmaz is smaller than me and he's you know, he stood up for himself and got stuck in, which, you know, for a guy that's missed a lot of football this season, he's been, he's, you know, with a lot of players with injuries and stuff, and he said a difficult spell, you know, I mean, he came at back end of October, does his hamstring, he's out for four or five months, it's taken him, you know, I mean, injured in a injured in a foreign land when you're you're trying to get to grips with everything you know it's been a difficult season for him you know and I think on his social media he's came out and basically he was delighted the first of uh, first of hopefully many old firm wins that he I think was something like that that he said you know so that doesn't to me speak of a guy that's desperate to get back to his homeland you know so um, I Borner's been good but Red Van is the future for me yeah, I think he even won a few headers as well, which came as a as a nice surprise. Uh, Borna Barisic likes to pretend he's going for a header and see the ball out for a throw-in more often than not. So I was glad to see that one as well. Plenty of comments praising Red Van Yilmaz coming in here. Cubby Cubstar says Yilmaz impressed me. Some great tackles at the right moments to win the ball and quick to get up the pitch. Final ball a bit rusty, just needs a pre-season and hopefully stays injury-free. Ben, I know that's a, a point that you raised about his crossing. I was simply Kyle at the game yesterday and he was he was saying the same thing. Uh, Robert Binney says Ridvan was excellent at defending. Darren Nock 
Ridvan seems to be physically stronger than Barisic, and Barisic Bottle has been questioned against Celtic. Again, a comment that's been repeated a few times over the last few days. Shona McLean, Ridvan seems very highly rated across Europe. Definitely got to keep got to keep him. And then RFC seventy two, Ridvan actually stopped crosses coming to the box. Couldn't tell you how happy I was watching that. There seems to be a real swell of, of support for Ridvan Yilmaz, and we are it seems all in agreement about him, him going forward and, and, and the the potential he has as our starting left back heading into next season. Next player on the list and one that has been criticised quite heavily so far this season, not for what he's done on the pitch, but for, for the fact he's not been on the pitch very much, was John Suter. Ben, I thought it was another solid performance from John Suter yesterday, a, a fantastic header for the goal. I actually thought it was an own goal uh, when I was in the stadium, just from the way the way the players um, kind of fell to the ground. But his desire to win that header is something that, that we've not really seen for a, for quite a long time. Leon Balogun is potentially the closest we've had to a player like that that's just determined to win the ball at all costs in the opposition box. What what did you make of John Suter yesterday? And and I I believe that, that his performance yesterday as well as against Aberdeen has nudged him ahead of Ben Davies in terms of being that starting centre half partner for Connor Goldson. What what's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, for me, he was already he was already ahead. I mean, I'm not in the camp that I I, I hate Davis or or anything like that, but I, I I do I've been impressed by Suter, um, other than the first game of the season, which obviously there's mitigating circumstances, and he was injured as well, um, and and obviously that mistake against against them at their place. But other than that, I think he's been really really solid, uh, and he's starting to look like when it, when I watched the the Scottish Cup final last season, his performance against us. I was like, oh, we have a real player here. I was actually very excited about him coming in. Um, and obviously through injury and stuff, we haven't been able to see that. But, um, you know, I think he is starting to find his feet. Um, and and it's it's just you're just always hoping that he doesn't get another injury. Um, but that's just going to be the case. But, he, you know, he's getting stronger with each game that he's playing. Um, you know, anyone looks better. He does look better with Connor Goldson beside him. But any of our centre half seem to look better with Connor Goldson beside them. Um, so it, it, the shirt is his to lose at this point for me, um, you know, and he is, he is a player that should be, should be around, um, and, and is a good option. And it's not somebody going into any game next season, if going into any game, whether he was, is the, whether we sign someone who maybe is ahead of him or not, I, I have a feeling we might, however, I wouldn't be worried going into any game with a, a fit. And that's the key word, a fit John Suter playing. Yeah, that's interesting that you suggest that we might sign, sign a central defender that's ahead of him. I hadn't really considered that if if I was if I was really thinking ahead to next season. If Ben Davies leaves, there's been plenty of rumours about whether he stays or I'm thinking goes. I'm thinking Davis probably goes. Uh, yeah. I think so too. So if Ben Davies goes, I'd fully expect John Suter to step in and be be our new starting centre half alongside alongside Connor Goldson. I fully take on the point and the concerns around injuries that, that John Suter's had in the past and and the need for a, a good quality backup. Scott, what's your thoughts on that one? Rangers on tour opinion says John Suter was excellent, never lost a header and, and bullied all uh, Celtic's centre-half. Uh, I see you smiling there, probably still thinking back to your joke in the group chat about that one. Um, I think looking at that game yesterday, 
Celtic barely had a sniff at goal. We spoke a bit earlier about the Matt O'Reilly chance. Outside of that one, O hit the post, but I thought, looking at the game, I thought he was offside uh, by quite a considerable distance. I, I might be wrong, I've not seen it back, but I thought he was... Ben's Ben shaking his head, so maybe he wasn't. But in the game, he looked. I thought at the time, but he wasn't. Yeah, right. So we we gave up two chances in the whole game from that perspective, including that one. I thought it was a really solid central defensive display from from Suter and Goldson. What did you make of John Suter yesterday? And um, do, do you see him as a as a starter heading into next season? I think, I mean, there's a bit of a pattern here. He's he's been excellent for a guy that's not played a lot of football, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I thought he made the mistake in in the league game across there, and I, but I thought he'd had a decent game, you know, and that was without Connor Golson. You know, I mean, I thought he's he's done really really well. I, I watched uh, Tommy and Ross in the, the post-match at, at Ibrox yesterday talking about it, and I think they they obviously referenced. The, the right left, which is it's one of my personal preferences. I like a balance of a natural right footer and a natural left footer, but that, that's again personal preference. But I thought they looked a good pairing, they looked as though there was good communication between the two. I think, um, he's a, he's a bit of a he's, a he's a talker, you know. I don't think uh, John Suter needs to be talked through the game by Connor Goldson, if that makes sense. I think Ben Davies, for for a guy that's a bit older, I think he needs to be sort of coached through the game a wee bit, you know, and uh, I think certainly going into next season, I think Ben Davies will go back down south. Um, Dujon Sterling, I think, can play right back, left back, potentially started as a centre half. So he could be a backup option. Um, pretty much everywhere across the, the back four, including centre-half. But I think if Ben Davis does go back down south, we will bring in a centre-half. That's, you know, just purely from a numbers point of view, because I think if you were to go in with Goldson and Suter, and you, you just can't rely on John Suter, um, you know, he's looking great at the moment, and it was positive. He looked a good partnership yesterday, but I just... I would worry that you would maybe leave yourself a, a, a little bit light, but great goal. You know, I mean, that must do wonders for his confidence across what has been a difficult season. I think he obviously had a bereavement within his family at the start of the season. He's had injuries himself, and it's just been, a, a, I think, a nice way to end, end his season. He'll probably end up getting involved with Scotland at the end of the, the, end of the campaign, which... Doesn't he fill me with a lot of uh, a lot of glee? Because personally, I would rather that he, he rested up and came back for Rangers pre-season. But um, you referenced the goal. I genuinely thought it was an own goal. You know, just purely the way and watching it back, it's just it's a bit fortuitous just the way that he he takes the header. But when you're in the the stadium, you know, I, I genuinely thought it had been an own goal and it was only when he ran away and he was obviously celebrating um, but I delighted for him and I think um, again he's another one like Robbie McCrory who's done himself no harm at all and I hope that he gets the rest of the the rest of the games alongside Connor Goldson 
Yeah, I think even when he was running away celebrating the goal, I was still a wee bit suspicious, thinking he's just claiming it. I, I, that that was my first thoughts when when he was running away there. But when you saw it, we uh, Kyle pulled up the they got the goal, the replay of the goal at half time, and we saw it, and it was it was an absolute cracking header from from John Sutter, and hopefully something we'll see more of going forward. Ben, an area of the pitch where we know is so important in these games is is the midfield, and it's a battle where we've probably won it more often than than we've won games this season. Looking back at it, there's probably one or two games where we've we've won that midfield battle, but then shot ourselves in the foot with some defensive mistakes. Yesterday, we completely and utterly steamrolled that midfield. And it surprised me a little bit, given the personnel that made up that midfield three. We saw um, uh, Raskin. I was going to go for Ross's Raskan pronunciation there and then thought better of it. We saw uh, Nico Raskin sit, almost sitting back a little bit and directing uh, Ryan Jack and directing John Winstrom where to go. And and it, he really thrived in that role yesterday. You could tell he was up for the battle and... I've been really impressed by Nico Raskin since he came in, but yesterday he took it to a whole other level. Sorry, Ben, that one's for you. I don't know if you've frozen. Ben, are you with us? I, I, I froze there, sorry. Um, <laughs> you hear me now? Can hear can hear you now. We're just talking about Nico Raskin and... You can't hear us. Scott, we'll come to you instead for this one. I thought he was excellent. I thought he, as the game progressed, I thought he got stronger and stronger. I think he's had a, a difficult spell since he came in. Hadn't played a lot of football, a bit like Todd, Todd Cantwell. Cantwell's obviously, he hit the ground running straight away. But I think uh, I'm going to just go for Nico rather than getting into the pronunciation of his surname. And I think he just grew into the game. He was getting into tack. I mean, he played one pass. I've not watched the, the game back, but there was one pass that, that basically done the right channel that sticks in sticks in my head, you know. And I think he was playing probably deeper than he has been sort of thing. And I think uh, another one that I think there's a lot more to come from him. Um, I think uh, a good pre he's obviously going away with Belgium to the under-21 tournament at the, the end of the season, come back for that, get a good pre-season and ready to, kick, ready to kick on, you know. But I thought that was his best game for the club so far. Um, so I, he was really, really good. But I thought he was the, the best of the three in the middle of the park. But he was, uh, he was excellent. Yeah, Ben, interested in your thoughts on Nico Raskin as well. And just bring in Cubby Cubster's comment here. Got to say, Lundstrom was on his game, Jack the same, but Raskin was the difference. Raskin needs quality players around him. Great midfield performance yesterday by all three. We saw we saw that performance yesterday in terms of going forward. I believe Ryan Jack's going to sign a new, a new contract very soon. That was probably expected, partly from a, a homegrown perspective. Michael Beale also highlighted that Ryan Jack had played has played eighty to eighty five percent of of games that Rangers have have played this season, which is much higher than we've seen in, in previous years and probably backs up that that the thought behind offering him a new contract. How excited are you by Nico Raskin and and how excited are you to see him with potentially even higher quality players around him? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited by him. Um, I have been all along. You know, I, as soon as I saw him, I really bought into it. Um, maybe had a slight dip, but seems to be really, really fine his feet again. You know, he's young, hadn't played football for a long time, so there was going to be inconsistencies. Um, but I think he, you know, it, he, along with Cantwell, is the type of player that signing that you want to be building your team around. Um, and, and if those two are the or what we can expect from Bale signings. I know they won't all be like that and they won't all be perfect, but you know, there, there's exciting things ahead. Uh, and, and at his age and with his ambitions, there is more to come from, from Nico. Um, so, so yeah, I'm really, really, really encouraged. I would say that Ryan Jack makes those around him in the midfield better players. Um, I think that, any time that we've seen Lundstrom have have good performances, particularly in the European run last season, Ryan Jackson there with him. Um, so you know, I, I think he's a very important player. I I've gone back and forth on it. At one stage, it was like, no, there's no way we should sign him. I'm surprised to hear that he played that much because it doesn't seem that to me. But you know, that's just, just confirmation bias, isn't it? But I feel that I feel that if you can manage Ryan Jack you're not you're never going to get a full season out of him if you can manage him and try and keep him you know at, at, at optimum levels for for the important games then he is an asset to a midfield um and, and it, you know if we don't have Ryan Jack we need a Ryan Jack type player without a doubt in there so so I'm I'm all for him getting a contract when he got injured recently again I was saying oh I don't know but now that he's come back and shown that he's just sort of it's like a reminder of of what he can bring to us um, and, and, and I feel like, you know, I feel like Raskin sort of suits playing with him in there as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it was a positive, positive midfield. Um, it was the midfield I would have gone for. It was probably the only midfield that we could have picked. But there was encouraging signs in it, within it. Yeah, Scott, just a final comment on the midfield before we move into the forward line. Kieran Dowell has been heavily rumoured to have already signed. Uh, a contract with Rangers, which he'll, he'll, he'll arrive from Norwich once his contract there expires. Do you expect it to be an area where we strengthen even further than, than adding just one? And out of Winstrom, Jack and Raskin, how many do you expect to be part of the starting midfield going into next season? I would expect two of uh, two of those three to be part of the starting lineup next season. Um, Which two? I would say probably Ryan Jack and Nico Raskin. Uh, I think Lundstrom got into the last year's contract. I don't think we'll be actively pushing them out the door, but I don't see a starting a starting spot for them. Uh, I do. I mean, I, I've I've long held the opinion that I would like to see us sign a number six. Um, you know, somebody a la Steve, a, a young Stephen, like a twenty-seven-year-old Stephen Davis sort of situation, so that Raskin's further forward, sort of sort of thing. You know, but uh, I think Lundstrom is probably. Uh, I don't think he merits an extended contract at this point. I don't think he's done enough across the across the two years since he since he came in to merit an extension. So we're in that going. In, he's going into the last twelve months. We did sign him for nothing, so. If he leaves for nothing at the end of his three years, then 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 that's that's fair enough. You've no you've you've only it's the wage the wages across that that period. But I think he might fancy a 
as much as he probably enjoys life up here and enjoys playing for Rangers, I think he might fancy a, and there will probably be clubs interested down south. So um, I think we'll bring in potentially one in addition to Kieran Dill, uh, Craig. Yeah, Scott, I noticed you went for Raskin and Raskin, uh, both in that answer, so you're not picking a side, that's fine. Uh, we'll, looking at some comments, and we've got another topic to that's kind of getting a lot of people in the in the, the comments talking, so I'll come to you on that one, Ben. But before we do, um, Joe90 says, if we can get something for Lundstrom, I'd take it in a second. He, he's, he's inconsistent, and I assume that says one-dimensional. Um, whereas Shona McLean... It's completely on the other side of things and says Winstrom is about to sign a new contract from what I've heard. Where, how do you see John Winstrom's future at Rangers and what is going to be his the final year of his current contract? Yeah, I, I if we got an offer coming in with money for him, with him being in the final year, then you sell him, you, you know, you do. Um, but I wouldn't mind him being around as, a, as an option, as a squad player. Um, I wouldn't particularly like to see him as a starter in there. I would agree with Scott, you know, the, the two that he said out of that three should be the starters for next season. Um, but but I, you know, if we're going to get an offer from the championship and bring in money for a player that we've haven't haven't got enough out of, if, if, if I'm honest, um, you know, for for big wages, um, and we've brought in on a free, then then I would definitely take take the offer. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you on that one, and the same boat as Scott as well. If we get an offer. For John Winstrom, it's I would I would be very very keen to look at it seriously. I think we're going to have to. We don't have a we don't have a marquee player that's going to go for big money like Nathan Patterson did or like Calvin Bassey did, even Joe Aribo to a certain extent. We're going to have to to raise some funds for this for this refresh somehow, and that somehow is is partially going to be by selling some of the players in the current squad. I think if you look at players. Like Ben Davies, like Glenn Kamara, like John Lundstrom, um, potentially Yanis Hadji or, or Rabbi Matondo, who we're going to come on to shortly. You look at these guys, they can go for one, two, three, maybe four million pounds at a push. And that, if you sell four or five guys, that quickly adds up and gives you a, a fairly hefty addition to the transfer kitty. And we've got to be realistic about, about that and how that's built. Yes, the board will, will already have a certain amount set aside and Michael Beale's hinted at how big that, that is. But we've got a lot of ref- a lot of change that we need to take place this summer and that doesn't happen by keeping all these guys on the wage bill, even if the likes of Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent are leaving and their hefty wages are, are no longer required next season. You're still looking at ways that you can that you can expand that transfer kitty or or raise that transfer fund and maybe some of the players that they do have some some value in them, but are on the fringes of of the first team, or or are definitely going to be targeted as being squad players next season. That's where we can try and raise raise those funds. So it'll be interesting heading into next season. Before we move on to to Rabi Matondo, Scott, I'm going to come to you because it's it, there's a lot of arguing going on in the comments. Should we or should we not sign Leon Balogun for Rangers next season? <laughs> I saw the big man going into the into the stadium yesterday. So uh, no, um, listen, Leon Balogun was a a good player for Rangers, but let's look forward, not backwards. You know, I think we as a support we have a 
you know, there's a bit of nostalgia, you know, as to what certain players have achieved when they've, you know, uh, when when they've, they've left. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, QPR are just on, just outside the relegation battle, which that doesn't mean that Leon Balogun's been playing like uh, Franco Baresi for the whole season, you know. Listen, he was a decent player for Rangers, gave us a couple of good years, will always be welcome back. But no, his time as a, a Rangers player within the within the, the, the side moving forwards, you know, I mean, we're trying to create a pathway for Leon King and bringing in Dujon Sterling and young, fresh, hungry guys, signing guys at 33, 34. No, we're, the days of being a retirement home and giving guys uh, too much money are in the past. Joe Nainte agrees with you. He says, we shouldn't have let him go, but we can't live in the past. Nostalgia has cost us too much recently. And I don't, I don't think that's more prevalent anywhere than when you look at our front line and the likes of Alfredo Morelos and Brian Kent, who are two players that have probably started a lot more games because of what they've done in the past than what they're giving Rangers now. And I think that's where that's where we have seen seen some difficulty in terms of around that nostalgia piece. And we very much are in a situation where we need to we need to keep looking forward. Ben, time is marching on, so let's take the front line as a as a whole and get your thoughts on that one i said yesterday that rangers will need a full a full refresh of the starting front three um both a, a left winger a right winger and a and a main striker that doesn't come cheap especially at that end of the pitch that's that's where most of the most of the bigger transfers do do come and we'll need to spend decent money if if we're going to get players who are going to have the proven track record but also come in with quality. Rabi Matondo has been getting his chance the last few games. I think he's shown up better than than he has any other time so far in his his Rangers career. Yanis Hadji has been getting a little bit more game time, but probably not as much game time as he would have wanted. Todd Cantwell, we'll come on to Todd Cantwell's performance in a second, but he's, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure I've seen anyone grab an old firm game like that for us by the scruff of the neck in a long, long time. Of that front three, though, what did you make of it yesterday? What did you make of the likes of Rabi Matondo, Yanis Hadji? And do you, agree, do you agree in terms of that being, the, I guess, the area where the most significant portion of our transfer kit is going to go this summer? Yeah, that's where we need to spend the money without any doubt. Um, I feel like, you know, Matondo has improved. Um, is certainly trying. I have my doubts although I'm, you know, I'm not going to make a decision as of yet but I have my doubts on whether he will ever reach the level that we need him to reach um, I feel that he is a decent player uh, he's trying he's trying very hard but I question whether there's going to be any end product coming from him um, and, and, and that essentially is what we need and that's you know we, we've suffered from Ryan Kent being there for so long and doing looking all right and trying that you know but not producing the numbers, and it always comes back to the numbers with the, with those front players. And I, I just don't feel like Matondo is gonna is gonna get there for us. Unfortunately, uh, hope to be proved wrong, but don't don't think I will. Scott, I think that's an interesting point from Ben in terms of Matondo has shown decent flashes, but again, he's, he doesn't provide that end product that that we want to see and that we expect to see from a wide player at Rangers. I'd have to agree with that. I think at times we we become a bit um, rose-tinted glasses towards 
towards some players and and what what we should be expecting from players in those positions. We've seen for the team across the other side of the city that these players should be getting double-figure goals each season and should be pushing for double-figure assists as well. And we've been getting nowhere near that from our wide players. Ryan Kent's stats are are there for everyone to see and that they're disgraceful if we are. If we're brutally honest, Ryan Kent's stats are disgraceful now. There's a lot of people saying, oh, he's the man that makes a difference because of the runs he makes and he's he's the man that gets the, the assist before the assist and all that sort of stuff. That's is largely excuses for many people, I think, on that front to try and justify why Ryan Kent was seen as one of our one of our better players. He's, he was part of the team that, that got us to the European final and always be grateful for that and his contribution to that as well. The, some of the crosses and for some of the most important goals that run came from Ryan Kent. But we need to what he's shown this season has been has been a shadow of of that, and we need much more from our wide players. Do you expect to see? big change and big investment in that area of the squad this summer? To be honest, I think, I don't know what the budget's going to be, but I think the the vast majority of it, that's where it needs to be spent. That's the that's the, that's the major difference uh, between us and them, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I mean, we haven't been clinical enough and the, the old, well, particularly since Bill came in, we've had opportunities to go ahead and the old firm game and the first goal in these matches is is vital and we've missed big big opportunities um i mean i thought sakala and matondo gave you what sakala and matondo give you yesterday if that makes sense you know what i mean it was like every every control every run and every sort of cross pass shot whatever you want to call it is an adventure i think for both of them you know you just can't predict what what either of them are uh, are going to do, you know, wouldn't have an issue if they both they were both uh, within the squad next season. But I don't think a starting Rangers eleven next season will have either Fashion Sakala or uh, Rabi Matondo. The one thing is Rabi Matondo, at least he's had a, a season that's been a bit of a, a car crash as well. But at least coming into these games, if scouts are are watching if we are active you know if his agents maybe trying to at least you're he's, he's in these matches and some team might fancy taking a you know I mean this is a guy that's went for a lot of money during his career so far so he's probably got the sort of skill set that um, some sides go for but I think I mean I don't expect Todd Cantwell to play almost as the sort of false nine that he was that he was doing yesterday, sort of thing, you know. But I think uh, the front three, I would expect a, a whole new front three to start next season. To be perfectly honest with you, yeah, he's either got the skill set that many clubs look for, or a very good agent, and I'm not quite sure which one. But um, it's worked for him so far in his career. Cubby Cubster says quality of passing the finish in the final third are not good enough. We've dropped too many points because of this. Ben, another point, Paul McGarrigal comes in and says, people look across the city and think we should be like that, but we play a different style. I don't think our style should should mean that our wingers or wider players in the forward areas get any fewer chances or have any have any less opportunity to create assists or score goals. Do you think it's fair that we can look across the city and say that's what we are missing or that's what we need? 
No, I don't. I don't think we need to have the same style um, to to have the same numbers. You know, you can play your own way, but you know, either either them or us will dominate most games, all games basically, apart from against each other. Um, and you know, therefore, your forward players should be creating and scoring more goals on a consistent basis. Um, whatever way you want to play, whether you want to play with wider, where you don't, you know, we we have the ball. It's it's about you know having that creativity and 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 turning turning what we have into into chances and goals. Yeah, I think that's fair. Ultimately, we need to score more goals than we've been scoring in recent years. Alfredo Morelos's numbers show show that up majorly. Um, I think Alfredo Morelos's best goal-scoring season for us in the league is 17 goals. That's nowhere near good enough for a starting Rangers striker, never mind a guy who's been the main man for, for five seasons. So I think going forward, we need we need better than Alfredo Morelos for all that he's given us major moments. And I love him for, for a lot of those moments, especially the European ones. We need better than Alfredo Morelos going forward. And hopefully the, uh, the scout department and the Michael Beale are, are well down the line in terms of bringing someone of that of that quality in. Before we go on to talking about the fixture and whether we think away fans should be should be part of it or whether away fans would improve the fixture in any way, there was a lot of talk about the atmosphere yesterday. I want to give you both a moment and we'll start with you, Scott, to talk about Todd Cantwell yesterday and his performance. I was it was something that we've not seen for a long time from a Rangers player, and it was it was really impressive. Listen, he's I just love his sort of swagger, arrogance, whatever you want to call it. I think in the three or four months since he came in, he's got absolutely no respect for 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 that mob. I think it's very obvious um, that he. He knows what it's about. He's fe- he's far feistier and gets stuck in far more. I don't know if it's just the the sort of the look that he's got. You just expected this sort of boy that's just gonna like play play like nice tippy tappy uh, passes and all that sort of stuff, you know. But I think uh, he's he's adding goals, you know, in in, in recent weeks as uh, as well, you know. And I think that's an area that I think Michael B will be be pushing them to try and get you know you've not got Tillman in the side who has contributed a lot of goals but Todd Cantwell there would be an argument that he has and this is crazy that he has almost been her player of the year and that sounds that sounds absolutely nuts but when you look at the the three names that are on the on the list Todd Cantwell would have been a worthy fourth edition, which basically talks how how well he has contributed um, since he came in. I just look forward to him having better options ahead of him that are going to are going to make his job a lot easier. You know, I mean, there's obviously there's the the clip kicking about where he's he's twist and turn uh, on the govern stand side yesterday. You know, I, I just I, I, you know. I mean, I'm too old to have heroes. Uh, my hero uh, is Alfredo and about to leave the building, sort of thing, you know. But if Maui Maui boy's looking for a for a hero moving forward, T- Todd Cantwell's got all the characteristics. And if you get better players alongside him and Nico in the middle of the park, I think uh, we'll have a far more successful season next year. 
Yeah, Ben, I think Scott spoke spoken really well there on Todd Cantwell. He's a he's a player that as Rangers fans we've loved pretty much from the moment that he that he, that he pulled on a Rangers jersey and, and stepped foot on the pitch at Ibrooks. He's come in for a bit of criticism, mainly from the mainstream media and f- fans of opposition clubs around he's we think he's great and he's been man of the match and I think all but one of his performances for Rangers so far. And he's received a lot of criticism from other fans of other clubs who say he's, he's nowhere near that good. Rangers fans are trying to build him up. And I think yesterday he really he showed how good he can be and I believe there's still more to come. Yeah, I mean, it was a dominant performance that I, as I've seen from one player in, in this fixture for a long time for us. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's the type of player that, that looks like he's going to drive standards throughout throughout the club and throughout the new players that are coming in. And, you know, I don't know if, obviously, we used being at the game, I don't know if you saw, heard his interview um, before the game and stuff, but he was just, he was talking about next year and he's talking about how much he is, he's really bought into the club um, and how he's going to take new signings under his wing and sort of, you know, make sure that they are where they need to be and doing what they need to do for for this club. You know, he seems he, he really seems driven for success. Um, you know, his career was going one way, and he seems to really want to get it back on track. It, it's interesting when we were when we were linked with him. And maybe this is just looking at him as, as Scott says and how he looks and stuff. But one of the things that I'd heard as well was, you know, he doesn't handle pressure well and those sort of things. He seems to thrive under it. You know, he, you know, he seems to embrace it, take it on, and. Let's go. It was like at points yesterday. It was like it was his ball, and you know he, he was letting letting let, letting others play at times. But you know he was just strutting about uh, about that pitch and, and and controlling the game. And he's he's not going to back down to anything. You know, confrontation wise as well. Which you know maybe looking at him, you wouldn't you wouldn't have assumed. But he's the type of player that we need to be building our team around. Um, and he's the type of player that uh, if we if he keeps going the way he's going. You know, we'll get a couple of good years out of him, and we might make a tidy profit, and they'd go back down south. Yeah, we we did sign him for one point five million pounds, so hopefully we make much more than a than a tiny profit on him. I think he'll be one that's. He was a few years ago. It was fifty million pounds. He was being touted around for. I'm not quite sure. Tidy. We'll, <laughs> not quite sure we'll receive that, but we'll get. We'll definitely give it a good shot. I think John sums it up well here in the comments when he says most dominant old firm display since Barry in, in 2005 and Scott I know that's a, an opinion you share as well we're over there Mark I'm just going to round off the podcast with with the small discussion about away fans uh, and whether they should be allowed in uh, to old firm games moving forward given my personal opinion I enjoyed the atmosphere at Ibrooks yesterday but I preferred when there was a a section of away fans in, in those games that added a bit extra to it yesterday, maybe because of the situation, because of the context of the season. I wasn't, it was never going to be that absolutely rocking Ibrox that we've seen before in the big games. I thought yesterday's atmosphere was really good. John Souter spoke about how it drove the team on and you can definitely see the, the advantage that it gives to whichever team is playing at home. And they, you can see the, the disadvantage that it gives to um, any 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 team that's playing away in this fixture. Now, I would prefer to have away fans there. A lot of it comes down to policing. A lot of it comes down to safety. Ideal world, I'd probably give them the European allocation, the same allocation we gave to Rafe Rovers earlier this season, season the same allocation we gave to Partick Thistle 
earlier this season, gave it to the likes of Dortmund. Last season, gave it to the likes of Liverpool in the Champions League as well. Scott, come to you first of all on that. Um, I see you're delighted about that. Um, what, what thoughts on the away allocation and, and one, what you would like to see and two, what you think will happen? Listen, as one of the older podders, um, I've been to, across the city and there's been 18,000, 20,000 Rangers fans, 8,000 Rangers fans. Um, those were the days that I really enjoyed old Firm games. On the the world is the 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 landscapes change now. Obviously, Rangers uh, back in twenty eighteen, I think it was probably the summer that Stephen Gerrard came in, made the decision that the allocation was getting cut. Um, I don't see it going back. I don't think, from a policing point of view. That the European, I know people say, well, if it works for European games, I just think an old firm game split stands and, and that sort of situation, I just think it could be quite difficult for them. I don't think the police would be would be keen on it. It's if the only way we go if we if we were to go back to eight thousand Celtic fans at Ibrox, we have to get eight thousand at I at Celtic Park, but it has to be right behind the goals, no stuck in the corner sort of situation. They have a huge, it's not an advantage, but it's, it's not a level playing field when they come and they have they look, they run down the tunnel and they look to their left-hand side, they've got the full stand. We run out the tunnel, go to the right and like a third of our support stuck in the corner behind pillars and all that sort of, sort of situation, you know. So uh, I think we're now in a situation where it's going to be the corner of both stadiums or no tickets at all. I don't think there's any relationship between the two boards. I don't think there's any, you know, I don't think there's any dialogue that may change with uh, James Bisgrove and uh, John Bennett, potentially. But I don't see the allocation. I think the allocation will be what happened yesterday or what it was for the, the, the last three or four seasons and the, the eight, nine hundred stuck in the corner. Yeah, Robert Robertson is in the comments and says, we give them prime seats, they give us a poxy corner with restrictive views. Unless that changes, keep them out. That kind of reflects what you've said there, uh, Scott. John says, atmosphere was great yesterday. I think it, I think it was really good. I, I've not denied that. I just think it's been better and it, it can be better. And I think having an away having an away section or section of away fans definitely contributes to that and it contributes to the intensity of the fixture as well on that front. For me, Paul McGarrigal, uh, pers personally it won't happen as we have sold the seats for season tickets. If anything, the bare minimum. John Weir, Euro allocation for me, although give them BF1 and BR1 so they are out of view. I think that don't Imagine uh, BF one will be anywhere near, um, and Celtic fans' hands. If I'm, if I'm I stick you. stick them into BF one, that Sky will love that. Stick them in with the Union Bears. <laughs> <laughs> sure, the police would love that one as well. Um, Sh Shona McLean, I prefer it with Norway fans. They were rattled yesterday. Atmosphere was unreal. It's really interesting to see the breadth of views on this topic. Ben, I do, I'm not entirely sure the club are. Are able to win any way that they go with it. 
Um, I, I, what are your thoughts on on the situation? CGM fifty five just coming in there saying the away fan issue stems from the basic problem that Ibrox is too small. If it was bigger, we could have a way fan. Simple. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that one. We had away fans beforehand. We have away fans every other game. It's um, it's it's just part and parcel of football, and it's part of the the spectacle of football as well. What are your thoughts on on the situation? Yeah, there's there's absolutely no doubt that the fixture in general, whether it's at their place or it's at Ibrox, is better with away fans. You know, it it, it adds intensity. It adds fuel to the to the fire it adds to the the tension um you know and it it benefits it benefits all around i can understand people wanting just that you know partisan atmosphere but you still get that you know you know it almost i i feel like when there's the, the away fans there particularly in the days when there used to be a lot more it almost gets more out of our fans you know because you're you're going back at them you know, harder and further, um, and I just I just think I think the the league in general we owe nothing to the league like, but the league in general um, benefits from from having the attention that is drawn to the game would be more as well if 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 there's away fans. Um, I don't see it happening anytime soon uh, due to the relationships between the two clubs, um, and you know. Neither neither are gonna budge on it first. Um, but I would I would be in favour of it changing. Yeah, we'll just round off with a few comments. James Glasgow says should there not be a percentage rather than a set amount? I think that is supposed to be a percentage. I I believe the clubs agreed on a bigger number than that percentage to get to the eight thousand that, that Scott had mentioned beforehand that was there previously. I believe that was an agreement between the clubs. There's no reason why that couldn't in theory happen again whether it will or not is remains to be seen I doubt it um Broxy the Bear says should be 8k each as it's brilliant to have it back but will never happen Robert Binney keep them out uh David Hutchison better atmosphere with away fans in my opinion um there's a real range of, of opinions on this one and like I said I'm not quite sure there's a, a situation where the board can win here it's going to have to be what's deemed the best I'm of the opinion the board probably see the money in their pocket as being the best the best the best view for Rangers and the best the best way for Rangers to to try to give themselves the best chance to prosper so I would be surprised if we see any sort of big allocation return Celtic seem to be pushing back on the smaller allocations they they keep trotting out the whole safety aspect of it i'm not sure any away support in any old firm game has ever been in, entirely safe if, if we're truly honest although although celtic celtic fans do try and paint themselves as holier than thou um and on that one so i, I don't think that's going to change in any way please do keep your comment on this coming in keep your comments coming and on the refresh on the performances uh, of certain players against celtic we've discussed plenty of them Today, we'll round off the podcast here an hour and 15 minutes in. And thank you, everyone, for joining us after what was a a slight technical hiccup at the start, but we made it through. Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. It's been really enjoyable. We could have kept on going for for a good bit yet. Yeah, we absolutely could have. And Ben, thank you very much to yourself as well. Yes, cheers. It's nice to be doing it and not be therapeutic. 
<laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been it's been a bit too uh, too much on the cathartic side of old firm games this this season. Let's hope for more positive ones as we go forward. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please do like the video and leave a comment if you've enjoyed the content. It really helps us reach more people and more Rangers fans and, and build a, a bigger audience. So please do that. Please remember to subscribe to the TII YouTube channel or whatever you're listening to the show on on whatever podcast platform is your favourite. Um, toggle on those notifications as well so you get an email or a notification every single time we go live. In terms of what we've got coming up this week, I'll be back tomorrow night as we, as we start to look ahead to, I guess, the bigger picture. We've done a little bit of it tonight. We'll look a bit more at some of the transfer rumours, at some of the some of the positions in the team and the squad that we feel that money has to be really spent. And we'll look more at the comment from Michael Beale as well, that he's actually spending the vast majority of his time going and looking at players and, and meet fans for targets. And he, he actually said yesterday that he has to, he has to remind himself sometimes to stop and prepare for the upcoming game, which normally would be an extremely bad thing for our manager to say, but I think on this occasion it's it's actually a positive one. So join us tomorrow night for that live at 6.30pm and you'll be able to catch us on YouTube if you can't join us live. Um, so thank you very much everyone for joining us. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>